Welcome to the Confessions Podcast. I'm Cindy Wagman. And I'm Jess Campbell. We're two former in-house nonprofit pros turned coaches and consultants to purpose-driven organizations. After years of building up our separate six-figure businesses from scratch, we've thrown a lot of spaghetti at the wall and have lived to see what sticks. We're on a mission to help other nonprofit coaches and consultants looking to start or scale their own businesses past the six-figure mark by pulling back the curtain. Whether you're still working inside a nonprofit and thinking of one day going out on your own, or you've been running your consulting business for years, you understand that working with nonprofits is just different. We're giving you access to the business leaders who serve nonprofits as their clients. You know, the people who truly get it. No more gatekeeping, no more secrets. This podcast is going to give you an inside look at what running a successful nonprofit coaching and consulting business looks like. Basically, we're asking people how much money they make, how they get paid, and what has and hasn't worked in their businesses. Listen in as these leaders share their insights, their numbers, and the good, the bad, and the ugly when it comes to building a nonprofit coaching or consulting business. We're going to empower you to make the power moves that give you the income and freedom you set out to create from day one. You ready? Let's go. We are back with another episode of Confessions. This time featuring one of our very favorite friends. I know we say that a lot. We're so lucky to have so many. We are so lucky. But this one is like a real legit friend because we both had the opportunity to work with her. And it is the one and only Deronda Harrison of June 1st Firm, our resident uh, grant writer slash grant writer trainer slash coach. She's a woman of many talents. Um, Here to talk about the evolution of her business, which I've say on the podcast and I'll say again now, just one of the most brilliant offerings on the market. If I do say so myself, I don't know. I have <laughs> nothing to do with it. <laughs> I just think it's so that? good. I tell it to yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I love, uh, I love what I love about this conversation aside from just Deronda herself, uh, is her talking about her sort of a high level of what I would call like premium services. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're feels like in the nonprofit sector, we're constantly like chasing down prices or, you know, that constant pressure. She, she charges a premium and it makes sense for her clients. And it's done. She's done really well by that uh, to a point where she can get to a place where she has, she's evolving her, her offerings. So I think that there's something for everyone in this conversation. Mm -hmm. We cover so much, um, you know, even if grant writing is not your modality, like there's like Cindy said something for everyone. And I love that both you and her kind of open up how you both are so good at just saying yes to opportunities that come your Mm. way. (laughs) And that, that I think is just also a great lesson for anyone as we are in this new year. So without further ado, Enjoy our episode with Deronda and let us know what you think. We are back with Confessions with Jess and Cindy. And today's guest, as you know, is Deronda Harrison. Deronda, welcome to the podcast. So happy to be here. Hey, ladies. We're so so fun because we like all kind of know each other. And sometimes our guests are brand new and then others like you, we 
like no. And so I feel like we can get really confessional. We're We're getting into the details for sure. Um, Before we start, as we start, can you just sort of tell our audience a little bit about how you serve nonprofits? Yes, sure. I am um, what a lot of people like to call me a grant writing expert. They come to me for all their grant writing needs. So nonprofits do a wide range of fundraising um, techniques, but my focus is grant writing only. That's my specialty. I don't really touch like major gifts or individual donors or anything like that. So I work with clients. At one point I was working with clients on retainer and I've shifted my business um, late third quarter or early fourth quarter into training. I'm providing training offerings, helping nonprofits um, train up their grant writers. I'm also doing some business coaching. I had grant writers reach out to me to expand their business or launch their grant writing business. So um been doing those things, getting to more training and doing more like one-off grant writing projects. So this year has been um, different, like towards the end for me, but it's been exciting. So I love that. And I want to talk about the evolution, but before we do, because I think your model leading up to the evolution is like drool worthy in this. I mean, I think everything you're doing is drool worthy, but I feel like our listeners, all would love to learn a little bit about your retainer model because that would that that was working and yeah. you actually help other people build that and that's your coaching that you do now but tell us a little bit about like how how many clients did you work with how much did you charge what did that like what did that look like yeah my retainer model was really working for me it was very lucrative actually and it was kind of like am i crazy for like cutting this off cuz it was um helping me do all the things i was even ha- um had enough funds to bring on other uh, grant writing like assistance and doing more like management overseeing but it just didn't feel good to me anymore um i had clients um at one point i may have had one client at a time then two then three i would onboard three or four no more than that at one time and then I just got to a point where I was managing probably around two or three at one point. And I was charging anywhere from $4,500 per month to $4,900 per, per month. That was like my sweet spot. So if I had two clients, I was bringing in like $9,000 a month just with two clients. And I was essentially good. That was just for <laughs> yeah. the retainer work. So, I mean, I was essentially good. I was able to pay my writers and I still have money left over. And I was um, intentional with going up on my pricing this year. And I noticed it brought in another level of um, clientele who I love working with. They have wonderful missions. They let me lead. They treated me as an expert. Um, It wasn't, they weren't difficult clients at all. And that's one of the things I encourage other consultants is like, kind of like push yourself, try to go up on your price and just see what happens. Um, And really look into that retainer model. The hourly thing for me just didn't work. It didn't make sense. Um, And there would be like hours left over. It's like, do you roll those over? Then clients questioning about hours. So we just had a straight fee monthly. And once I explained it to clients, they liked it because they would even ask about the hourly, like, okay, this is $4,500 a month. About how many hours does that include? And I tell them it's unlimited. That's the fee. Whatever's due for the month, we get it done for you. And you know what to expect every month. And you know, um, you can budget for it. It's no surprises. Um, pricing comes up quite a bit on this, um, podcast as it should. And as 
a fellow writer, I just don't do grant writing. Um, it's been difficult for me to price my services when my gift is that I'm good and I'm fast. And so it makes zero sense to be pricing based on time. And I'm just curious, like, how did you arrive at that 45 to $4,900 price? Did you just say, that's what feels good. That's what I need. Or, or was there some sort of math involved? I'm just, I'm, I'm bet people are listening and they're like, Oh, I want to get to a place where I'm charging that, especially because you said that it brought in such better quality clients. And I'm just curious how you arrived to that retainer number before we go into the, the evolution. So I was at like um, about 3,500 before. And I thought that was like high, higher end, but I was noticed I was getting results for clients in like 30 days, 60 days. They're winning 50,000, 100,000, $150,000 grant, sometimes $250,000. So the ROI for me just made sense to go up on my pricing. I was delivering high quality services, got rave reviews. Um, <clears throat> so I was just giving it a shot. It was no essential math involved. It was more like an ROI, like uh, uh, evaluation that I did, if you will. So um, I was like, you know what? They're getting a, a return on their investment. What's another thousand bucks um, added onto a retainer? And again, I was just like kind of testing the waters. And as soon as I went up on that pricing, like I closed two more clients and I was just like, I was just sold on it. So um, that's kind of how that worked out. Okay, keeping on the nitty gritty down this, <laughs> um, how did it go for any clients you maybe were working for that now you had to tell them that you were increasing your prices? Did that happen? And if so, how did that conversation go? Yeah, so the clients that I had under my, I only had like one and then one was like kind of ending. So it was like a good timing for me. That was another thing too. Like I understand if you have five or six or seven clients going up on pricing for them can be um, a challenge. But for me, it was just like a timing issue. I was like, you know what? I'm ready to bring on some new clients. I want to start them off on this new pricing model. So this will be a good time. And uh, my current client that I kind of had on retainer, if you will, they were Again, sunsetting. So um, it was just, it was just a, it for me, it was just a perfect timing situation. So I didn't have to have those difficult conversations. Like I'm going up on my pricing. I mean, which they're not difficult. You just explain that, give them heads up, let them know what it is and um, make the adjustment. What do you think it was about that higher price point that allowed you to attract those higher quality clients, right? Like did what, or what did you notice that was higher quality about them? Um, I like that they pretty much had all their things together. Like um, any items that I need are requested. They got it over to me. Um, getting stuff from the executive director. It wasn't like pulling teeth. She gave me whatever I needed. And the, Mind you, just because they're paying me more money doesn't mean the executive director is any less busy than another one. So still extremely busy, but she was conscious of making sure I had everything that I needed to get the job done or pointing me to the person that could get me what I needed. I think with grants, um, it's easier measuring ROI because you're, you're getting awards. I know in other like industries, it'd be a little bit more diff- difficult. But for me, I was like, you know what? They're getting these grant awards in this amount of time. So I just adjusted my pricing to go along with that. And to me, quality client is so just one that doesn't give me a headache. 
They were lovely. I actually look forward to our meetings every week. Um, again, they listened to me, um, accepted my suggestions. I was like, you know, I think you should really leverage this work that you all are doing. Um, a lot of them were attracted to me because they saw that I obtained a lot of funding or awards from, from, from certain funders within like the D.C. market. So those are the type of clients that I that I was attracting. And I think it just it just worked out well. They do exist. They yes, do exist. They but do. also, can we just talk? Because part of it is like you're attracting them. But I also think that a lot of it is how we build that relationship with our clients as the expert and as someone who has things like boundaries, brings ideas to the table, pushes back on bad ideas. And so can you talk a little bit about how you've been able to position yourself in these client relationships as uh, someone that they can trust and sort of seed to when it comes to decisions and following advice? Yeah, a lot of, um, I noticed all of my clients had in common, they were newly hired executive directors, typically less than one year. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. So they were all like, what do I need to do? Um, to move the organization forward. They had this goal that they wanted to hit. So um, they acknowledged that what they did not know and they didn't try to pretend like they knew what they didn't know. So one of my clients, the former ED, did all their grants. I took a look at them and they weren't they weren't good. Um, and I told her that and she said, I appreciate you communicating that with me. That's the type of feedback that I want. And I told her that from the beginning and she kind of like trusted me because I was upfront with her and they just got the grants that they were awarded, but just through relationships. But there were so much more um, opportunities that were there. So I think just creating that trust initially upfront, being open and honest, something doesn't look good. Just tell them, letting them know something's working well. Let them know that too. So I think it's just building that trust up front. It really, really works well. So before we move on to the evolution, which I think everyone will be so excited to hear, and honestly, not to tease too much, but every single person I tell about it, I, I'm like, this is the most brilliant offer ever. Like, why didn't I think of that? Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the um, buyer timeline and how long that process takes to like level some expectations for our listeners. So I know because I watch you, um, you're very active on LinkedIn. Um, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think LinkedIn that's is my, like, yeah, your spot. That's my yeah. Name, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so would you say that, I don't know what percent of clients find you on LinkedIn or is it a different way? And then from like initial outreach to signing the contract, what would you say is that typical timeline? Yeah. So um, LinkedIn has really worked for me. Um, I would say 90% of my referrals come from LinkedIn. They're not referrals. They're not referrals from like another um, client. They don't know me. They just found me on there. were impressed with my background experience and drive them to my website. And then they want to um, learn more about, and then maybe they may ask for a reference upon, of course, talking to me. But 90% is just a cold um, outreach and that's how they find me. Um, so that's why I really, really push other like consultants and when I'm coaching is really put your information out there, really push your services on LinkedIn, especially if you're a grant writer. It's so few of us. Um, 
So they find, find me on there and we go right into a, a call. A lot of them have just general questions like, when do we start submitting applications? How long does it take? Typically, how long does it take for, you know, awards to start coming in? So we have those, what, I, what we call discovery calls. And then we typically, um, a lot of them are ready to get moving like pretty quickly. Um, the ones that are serious, of course. And within like two weeks, we're signing a contract and we're putting together their funder list like within the first 30 days, a list of grants wow. that specifically fund their programs. And we're moving pretty quick. It goes very, very fast. So and I tell them that up front, it's going to move pretty quickly. It's going to seem slow up at first that we're not submitting any grant applications at first 30, 45 days. But once we get everything down and solid, we're going to be knocking grant out the door. They're going to be going pretty quick. So I just want to underscore for folks listening in what Deronda just said about from the initiation of meeting to signed contract being roughly two weeks. And I want to call out that in my experience, Cindy, please debunk both Deronda and I, if you have a different experience, um, that at least for one-on-one work, it does not and should not be like this back and forth for months and months. I'll pay you next time type of situation. In my experience, those clients have been the most difficult to work with and the biggest headaches. And I'm not saying that like people aren't out there watching you for a long time or they might join your list and they might not initiate that outreach for another year. I'm not saying that because I do think that the timeline to actually purchase can be quite long for a nonprofit. But in my experience, that to signing contract timeline is actually quite short. And I don't know, I would kind of say it's a red flag if if you're not having that experience. Yeah. I I'll pipe in because my experience is sometimes the same and sometimes not. And I think also because depending on what product I'm talking to people about, like our fractional fundraiser service um, typically takes longer because it's less defined. And for boards, that's kind of like gives them the heebie-jeebies. They're just like, what is this? So usually it's not unusual for me or someone from my network to have to present to a board or something like that, just because it is, they were looking usually to hire a staff person and we've given them an alternative and it's a big mind fuck. Like, excuse my swearing, but like, I'm just like, what is this? So it, I think it depends on like what you're doing with organizations. Um, and also boards make a big difference So in, in the work that we do. I think the executive directors are like in or they're out, but then they don't always have the tools to present it to their board around the decision. Sometimes it's actually none of the board's business because it's an operational decision, but I have seen organizations where, uh, and I would much rather like I would come to the board meeting and, and answer questions and have the ED do it without me because it's just, um, they don't, they don't know. They don't have the answers like we have. So, um, but some of my other services, yeah, I'm not going back and forth because if it's right, it's right. You're in. And if not, you know, that's totally fine. So yeah, I think it depends. And when the clients come to me, they're the board 
most of these clients, again, have in common. I want to say they're quiet boards or they don't care, but they're just like, you know, do what you need to do. It's operational. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you're bringing in funds for the organization is a revenue generating. Yeah. So they're the board's not like, hey, we need to talk to the grant writer that you're about to hire. Um, so, again, they all have in common, like just move forward and get it done. Those are great clients, by the way. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. Well, let's get into this evolution we keep teasing. So, tell us about the evolution of your business and kind of your current offer that I think is so brilliant, um, f- so that people can get a glimpse. And you know, let's get into all the nitty gritty details, like how much is it? Um, how? What does the container look like? What's the duration of the container? All that stuff. Yeah. So. Um, around well, September 30th, I ended my retainer clients. I, of course, gave them a heads up notice. They weren't very happy about it. Um, so it kind of made me feel bad. But again, I just had to do what was best for me, my um, organization. And um, but I did do warm hands offs. I handed them off to other grant writing, quality grant writers whom I trusted um, to. And who you get a referral fee from. They get a referral. Yep. I get a referral fee from that. Um, wonderful coaching from Cindy gave me that idea because before I've just sent people away. Um, but now the way to, for me to get paid, um, I'm sending you a paying client who's ready to go, ready to get started. I already have a lot of, um, the, I'm going to say upfront or hard work already done. I'm just handing them over to you, um, if you will. So that was a great model too, to get paid, to have revenue coming in for my business. And then just shifting over into training. That's something that I was kind of already doing on the side and I always got really great feedback from it. And it's something that I enjoy. And also seeing so many nonprofits struggle and myself as a grant writer that worked in nonprofits, not having the support that I needed, working for amazing organizations with wonderful missions, but I would always leave because I was burned out the only grant writer there. No one understood what I did. My supervisor typically didn't support me. They did not support me. Um, I was being thrown all these deadlines. Sometimes I would have five deadlines, grants grants and reports during a month, sometimes six, seven, sometimes eight. People are off on the holidays. I'm working because I got like this January 4th deadline. So it was just having that lack of support and the grant writer turnover had done the research on it. They were lasting less than at one point, 18 months, and it became even less than that. And these were like quality grant writers that they don't even last at organizations. So the train the trainer was the original name. Now it's train up your grant writer. Um, that model actually came from other um, clients. They were just like, Hey, do you, um, because I was ending my client work, they were like, hey, do you provide some type of support for um, grant writers? We're looking to bring on a potential grant writer in-house. Do you offer a train-the-trainer model? I had a client ask me that, and then another client who didn't know the other client asked me the same question. I was like, okay, okay, maybe this is a sign. Um, again, going back to that training model, something that I enjoy. So that's kind of where the idea came from and shifting into that. So it was like, what does this look like? Who am I talking to? Am I talking to director of development? Am I talking to EDs? So I'm working with Cindy, getting some coaching around that language and how to present it and how to position it, talking to the pain points. What does that look like? So we develop that my um, target Nonprofit is a smaller nonprofit that has less with an ED with less than like 10 staff members, potentially. And they typically don't have a director of development. So I'm talking to EDs who have all these um, 
issues because they're doing everything. They're trying to fundraise. They're trying to um, manage a staff. They're dealing with the board. They just don't have the capacity to bring on a non to bring on a grant writer and support them as they need to be supported. So that's how that has developed over time. Hi, Deronda. We're back for another round of our rapid fire questions. Are you ready to play? I am. I know that you love a little R&R and love to travel. So where are you thinking of booking a plane ticket to next? Well, I actually just came back from the Dominican Republic a few, like the week before Thanksgiving. Um, that was so relaxing. I'm anywhere where there's a beach, but I've never been to Bora Bora. I heard it's really nice. So I think that's probably on, next on my list. I I concur. I, <laughs> I support that 100%. Um, what is your onstage walk-up song? What's your anthem? <laughs> Probably anything with the Migos, rest in peace, take off. Um, just gets me in that, like, um, I'm about to, like, just take over for some reason. Totally. So, yeah, I would definitely up the Migos. <laughs> totally. And if you had an extra hundred dollars to spend, what would you spend it on? Um, food. I'm a foodie. So any new restaurant, that's probably like my hobby extracurricular. I mean, the Atlanta area, new restaurants pop up all the time. So going to check out new foods and seafood, Italian, Chinese, not partial. Well, I have to know then. So if I'm coming to visit you in Atlanta, where are you taking me to yes. go eat? Uh, we'll probably go to Negril in Buckhead. Um, they have some really good food, different dishes, lamb. I like that type of stuff. I need to go to Atlanta. There's so many good nonprofit people there. I was going to say. You're all there. Are We're you all coming. getting together? You like you should. <laughs> okay. Thanks for playing. Sorry, I couldn't unmute myself fast enough. Um, that's why I think it's brilliant because I too have never worked in an organization that even the larger organizations that I worked in that have, you know, 15, $25 million budgets and like a proper development team, the the staff leadership in general doesn't have a ton of capacity to like sit side by side and train you. And like with grants, especially there's the history piece, there's longevity piece and like, the upfront of knowledge you need to learn to be able to write really well about a program is just like, takes a lot, right? And so that's why I think it's so, so smart. So I want to dive a little bit more in depth, if that's okay, into the marketing of all of this, because it's a total shift, right? Like you're over here on LinkedIn, you're killing it. People are coming to you. You only need two clients a month to be super stoked out of your mind. And then it shifts. So like, how many clients can you train up at a time? Like how, and I'm kind of, yeah, like let's start there. And then how are, I'm assuming that it's a more one-to-many model, mm-hmm. you know, how have you evolved your marketing to, to just basically like grow your audience? Cause mm-hmm. to work on a many scale, you have to have more. Yeah. Or do yeah. you, maybe you don't. Yeah. Tell me, yeah, tell that's, us. You know, still, it's still a learning process. So of course we, we came up with the cohort. So wanted to be a cohort, but I still wanted it to be small. So it was five, um, 
trainees, if you will, in the program. And um, we do like a, my goal is to do like two launches a year. So like you have a spring cohort and then a fall cohort. So um, my first client actually just came in. She was like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to wait for the cohort to get started. I just please sign up, coordinate with my grant writer, do what you need to do. I'm, when I tell you like, those are the best clients, um, they, they move quickly. They want to get started. It goes back to what we were saying earlier. Um, so yeah. And so I'm still like working there. Like I really like the one-on-one. I personally like that. I feel like you get to know the person better. It's more intimate. I can speak directly to your organization and the needs of your organization. Um, and still like working through like the cohort model, how to do that, still providing high value for every client. And it's um, $5,000 per individual. If you send multiple people to the program, of course, it would be a discounted rate for the other other individual. But that's the um, rate that I came up with. And the ROI, if you will, the client that signed up for the program already, that first grant they applied for, they won. It was $50,000. And I like literally held her hand through that process. When she did it, she said her the feedback she gave me was that I did not expect to have to lead the writing on that first grant. I think she was uh, afraid, but I wanted her to do that because I'm not going to be here. And my goal was to have you do that. She had all the um, prior proposals that um, I had done because they were actually a prior client of mine, a prior grant writing client. So she was able to pull from there. I told her some great proposals to pull um, language from. Any grant writers know the deal. We just pretty much prepackage proposals. So I showed her how to do that, but I had her lead it. And then once she um, put together the application, I reviewed it, gave her some feedback. And I found out like this is later. We were no longer working together. They won the grant. So I'm literally there to hold your hand while you're going through this process. The goal is to get to get a quick win. We want you to, to win a grant. Absolutely. So can you tell me, is this like a mix of curriculum? Is this straight coaching? Like you're just showing up on calls with folks and then how long roughly are you working with people? And is it the type of container where they can renew with you and they stay ongoingly? Or it's like you set them off into the sunset at some point, like, mm-hmm. you know, so, yeah, it's typically, so it started off as six weeks. Um, and then I've kind of like adjusted to 90 days. So it's like six weeks intensive and then like kind of like check-ins. Um, I'm kind of doing the same thing for my grant coaching when I'm coaching other individuals for their grant writing business. Like six weeks of intensive. We meet every week or every other week, depending on your schedule. And then check-ins within like a 90-day bottom. And it's a curriculum, if you will. So I provide a lot of... Um, Meeting agendas. When you're meeting with program people, what do you need to talk about? What needs to be on that agenda? Like, this is stuff I did not know as a nominee. Like, going back to your point, Jess, I worked at 15 million, 20 million dollar organizations. They just didn't have the capacity to support me as I needed because, again, everybody's super busy. Um, So, I'm going to provide like agendas, meetings, type of questions to ask. One of the hardest things in my role as a grant writer working at these large organizations is getting the people that need to be in a grant meeting, in a meeting all at the same time with schedules being busy and everything like that. So I show them ways to navigate that. And even when they're developing a program and the ED's like, hey, let's apply for this grant. This is perfect for our program, but the program isn't developed yet. 
they're not able to get the questions that they need to answer the grant. So I provide tips, tip tricks, and tools for getting what you need to answer those grant applications. And that's just something that I figured out over time that I did not know before. So that's one of the really great things. And then a lot of them want to go after federal grants, brand new to them and their organization. I um, asked them to pull up the grant from last year and we start putting together a draft, even if that grant hasn't even dropped yet. We already have, you're going to have your draft before the end of that program. So we go in. It's very hands on. It goes pretty, pretty quickly. It's such a great program. And this is still really new. I think the yes, one thing that I know because we work together uh it's I it's only evolving, right? We're only gonna see things change and and grow from there. So it's fantastic. I want to talk about the other product that you launched um this quarter, <laughs> the last couple like months. Quarter, quarter. Yeah, which is your you know, coaching, business coaching for grant writing consultants. Um, because as I said right off the bat at the beginning, like I think most grant writers who work with organizations, if they hear you have two, three clients, you're bringing in the cash, you know, that is um, super aspirational. So what, um, what allowed you or like, what went through your mind in terms of making that decision to say, okay, I have enough here that I can share it with other people and help them be successful? Yeah. So I was um, going back to our initial Everything goes back to coaching with Cindy. She has all the answers, by the way. So when our deep deep dive call, I think that's what she called it, the first session, she was asking me all these questions. like, And it just all came out of me. Like, what do people come to you for? What type of questions do they ask you? Um, what do you, you know, I enjoy doing it, but she had a way of asking the questions. They brought it out of me. And people always would come to me about launching their grant writing business. Our questions about... How do you get clients? How do you set your pricing? If you you don't do hourly, most people know that I'm against that. They're like, well, where where do you where do you get this number from? Jess asked me that also, like just in the beginning of this this podcast, like where do you even get that number from? And then when you don't do hourly, what do you, what do you say to clients? And um, I find a lot of those um, questions were coming up, and I was getting on calls and telling people what to do, and I was like, wait a minute. Let's set up some like program around this, a system, and to do some coaching around it. Because again, um, my first official coaching client, she was following me on LinkedIn. She said she was impressed with my background. She did not know me at all. And she was like, Do you offer coaching? And I was like, sure. And we um went through coaching sessions for her, and she really gave me some really great feedback. She was um very pleased with it and everything. And that's kind of like, it's just being, it's, it, it, that's evolving too. That's right now, I've not set up in a cohort. I really like that one-on-one so far. I um, mean, it's the same pricing as the Train Up Your Grant Writer Program, $5,000, six weeks intensive, 90 days all together. I love it. You sound very busy. Do you have anyone helping you, supporting you to help support all of these people? Yeah, it sounds so, like you're holding a lot of space for others. Yes. Yeah, so I um, had, of course, my grant writing like assistants or um, grant writers I had on my team. Um, but as that kind of shifted, I moved into more like a social media support. Um, I think you all both met Ashley waters um people like you're killing it on linkedin it's because of her i'm like can't do that 
and do all the other things. So she's really great with like the graphics. Um, like she knocks those things out so quickly. And um, she understood, she took the time to sit down with me, understand my business up front so that she could do the copy. And of course I may tweak it a little bit and then I'll post it or sometimes she'll post things. And then Cindy also um, encouraged me or challenged me, if you will, to post every day at one point for like maybe 10 days. And I like I had a little group going, so I just kept doing it. And that's really given me a lot of the visibility because a lot of people consume on LinkedIn. They don't do a lot of posting. And I had just taken some professional photo shots and I was like, hey, I'm just going to use this and just continue to keep just keep posting. I want to talk about LinkedIn for a little bit because you are killing it. And so much of your business comes from that. And I'm curious, like, do you have a proper strategy? Like, is there a formula to your post? You just mentioned posting every day. I'm not sure if you're still doing that challenge or not. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm just... I'm just kind of curious about that because you're right. I think um, it's very few percent of people are actually creating content on LinkedIn. Most people are just lurking. So there's such a huge opportunity, but it's like, what to say? You know, it's mm-hmm. a very different platform th- from the others, mm-hmm. from the others that will remain nameless. Um, and and I'm just curious if you have like a formula or strategy from when you go in there or is your formula or strategy like to just be really engaging on the platform, not necessarily posting all the time, but like you're interacting with people or tell us. Yeah. So creating the copy was something we did up front um, in the beginning. So that was to me, once that was done, I was like, I, I have what I need. Um, speaking to the pain points of the executive directors, Speaking to the pain points of people that want to launch their grant writing business. And the key to launching a grant writing business is doing that while you're at your nine to five. So that's that other little like special specialty because I did it so long while I was working at a nine to five. And I was really showing others how to do that. Like if you have great structure and systems in place and your pricing is right. You can do this while you're at your nine to five. The goal is like to replace your income, not feel burned out and not doing all those things. So again, once I have my copy up front, speaking to the pain points of the executive director, speaking to the pain points of those who want to launch your grant writing business, I was able to intentionally post um, when I was doing that daily challenge. And I find that for me, it was helpful to post in the morning. On LinkedIn, I feel like I saw more engagement versus like in the evening time, people kind of winding down. As a being a business platform, it's not like IG, people hop on in the evening after work. Um, LinkedIn is a little bit more of a business hour platform. Um, so I found it to be the most helpful for me during like those morning, early afternoon hours. And of course, engaging with other people, like when Cindy posts or posts video, engaging Jess and things that you post and other grant writers um, in my network, other podcast um, episodes of like, there's a podcast where they just, all they talk about is grant writing, just like those type of things. Of course, I just personally like LinkedIn. um, So I also engage in those um, ways as well. So great. So helpful. And again, just the sleeping giant LinkedIn for those who aren't active on it, get on LinkedIn. Um, as we wrap up, I, she's going to be embarrassed that I'm asking this, but I want to talk to you about your work with Cindy because clearly it's been transformational in your, in your 2022. I'm not sure exactly when you two started working together, 
But I, I'm curious for folks, I've talked about it a lot in the podcast. It's been really difficult for me to find coaches who understand our customer. Nonprofits are just a little bit different. Mm. And so can you tell us a little bit about what working with Cindy has um, either like sparked for you or just like helped you get clear on or, or, you know, let's just brag on, let's just like make Cindy as uncomfortable as possible right now. And I'm coming from it really like I'm, she did not ask me to say this and it's not like to do anything other than like potentially help other people who maybe are feeling stuck. Like, I'm not sure where were you, where are you now? And what did Cindy help you do? Yeah. And just to be very transparent with you as a black woman, I want a black woman coach as a um, nonprofit working with nonprofits, nonprofits. I want someone to understand nonprofits. Um, And it's just been so challenging. I've taken other like business classes or coaching services. They have good information in them. But again, it's just different when you work with nonprofits. And I believe it was like a Make It Happen conference or one of your other conferences, Jazz. And we were just doing like a powwow or networking. And Cindy was talking and I was like, oh, she has, she sounds like she knows what she's doing, um, working with other consultants. And, but at the time I didn't think anything else of it. And I saw her impact and profit. Is that the name of it? Um, cohort program. So I went and checked it out. I was like, I'm a little bit further along than this one, um, than what they offer on here. So I don't know if it would be very useful for me. So I just sent her a message and was like, hey, do you offer one-on-one um, by any chance? And I could tell in her answer, she didn't already have something put together, but she was like, sure. I was like, I like her. I like her. Yes. So um, she put something together. Birds of a feather, you two. (laughs) All these people are like, do you do this? And you're like, sure. Sure. And um, one of the best decisions I've ever made, and I did not want to do this long coaching program. I just wanted to do something maybe, maybe two months. Um. But our program, I think it's six months and it's coming to an end soon. And we're both like really sad about it. Um, it's been so, so helpful. Um, just her mindset and working with nonprofits. Um, she even challenges me again, being a black woman to really like leverage that. Um, again, another thing all my clients had in common, all of the EDs were black. Um, I didn't even notice that. And that was just something that I just put together over time. So that's something I put in my marketing, you know, to, to attract those type of clientele because they were already coming to me. Um, so just really using my strengths and speaking to that and her ability to be able to speak to nonprofits. Like just something simple as a program is $5,000, but our four payments are thirteen fifty. Like, that's a little bit more digestible when you're a nonprofit. So um, understanding those type of things and understanding, like I had a tendency of giving people like a, Hey, if you do this in the next five days, I'll give you a discount. And Cindy was like, you know, nonprofits are a little bit different. They have to talk to boards. So it kind of could be a turnoff when you do those. She was very nice. The way she said, she was basically like, don't do that. So I kind of like, stop doing that because um, it's not an infomercial. Like you move in the next, you know, 30 minutes to get this discount. It's just different for nonprofits. So she understands that. And then I don't know, I've I've told Cindy, and I don't think I told you just to your face, but you both are copywriters and you just need to embrace it and just (laughs) deal with it. Because Cindy would just be sitting there like, 
Um, she just she basically wrote the copy on my website. She literally just typed that up while we were on a coaching session, and she just came right out of her. And um, I was really looking into hiring a copywriter, but that all came with with my coaching with her. She made me force um working with systems. I already had Dubsado, but I was kind of like playing with it a little bit. She was like, no, we're going to use this workflow. We're going to implement this workflow because I was very, very hands-on. Everybody's like, how do you do all these things? You really need to leverage systems. And they're not expensive. They're not super expensive at all. So um, just making sure that I did all those different things and maximizing the tools and resources that are available to me. But I mean, I could go on and on, but yeah. I love it. And I will also just say it's so much easier to write copy for others than it is for your for yourself. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I'll give you that. Yeah. (laughs) Jess and I laugh because she's way more the copywriter than I am, but uh I can do I can do little pieces here and there for sure. All right. Before we wrap up, uh one of our favorite questions is confessions. What is one thing that um, you'd like to improve in your business uh, over the next little while? Oh, that's good. Um, I think just the understanding of our industry. Like um, I just saw someone post, I'm a part of Grand Professionals Association. So when we have this like, it's kind of like a Facebook group, if you will, Grant Zone chat. And someone put in there, someone sent them a a proposal asking for a grant consultant to submit like 45 proposals over the next 12 months. And they, you would not even guess how much the budget was. It was like 8,000 bucks. And I wanted to respond because they were asking for people. I was like, what should I say? Oh my goodness. I was like, this is what you need to tell them. So I just think it's so like insulting. Everybody understands lawyers, their price is their price. They don't question accountants. Their price is their price. They don't question. And grant writers, we actually have something tangible like that you get it. But there's just this whole notion of can we pay you out of the grant or um, volunteer grant writer will pay you when we start getting the funds. I've even told clients that have come to me, potential clients straight up. If a grant writer is charging 500 or a thousand bucks a month, that's a red flag, sweetie. Well, exactly. And the questions, these questions just show a lack of understanding. Like it's not about how many, if their metric is how many grants you're applying to and they want more, like squeeze in as many as you can in the year. Red flag. 45 in a year. That's a grant every week. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. So it's just um, just want to improve on the messaging and grant writing and the pricing behind it. Like when I tell people I charge for it, they're like, oh, my gosh, I need that so aspirate. Like I didn't even say, I don't even think that's a lot of money. Like I didn't say 10000 a month. Like it's just and I find that a lot of us undercharged, not even just as grant professionals, just sometimes as um, consultants, professionals, as women, we can um, tend to do that. And as for me. I'm not doing that anymore. I've been very intentional with my pricing, even with federal grants. I've talked to other um, grant consultants who work for large grant writing firms. They're charging $10,000, and $25,000 for one proposal. I'm, I'm starting to do the same thing as well. So um, that's something I'm being very intentional with in my business. Of course, I get the people that can't afford it. Um, you just have those conversations. Thank you. No, thank you. Um, I'm happy to refer you to someone else. Or that's why you've trained up. Yeah. Right. Can't afford it. 
Yeah, money. We'll train some five thousand monthly. You pay it one time, and I'll train you up on it. So, um, I still I have the heart, of course, for the smaller nonprofits. So that's where like kind of like the train up was developed. But um, yeah, I'm just being very intentional with pricing and um, being able to provide high level, high quality service. Um, it actually came from feedback from other clients. They were just raving on about my services or how much they love me. They love working with me. It kind of let me see like, hey, you know what you're doing here. So um, I think it has to do a lot with confidence when it comes to pricing. And um, for me, just going to be more intentional with that moving forward. So good. So good. Deronda, for folks that want to send grant writers your way, send grant writing consultants your way, or just follow you in general, where's the best place for folks to get in touch? Yes, absolutely. Can um, So I'm actually on a LinkedIn purge. So I did all this LinkedIn, LinkedIn, get on LinkedIn. But for through now, through the end of the year, I've been intentional, like not just not really, I'm saying LinkedIn, but just social media in general. Um so for now, I would say send me a, I think this comes out after the new year, but um, for now, anyway, send me an email, Deronda at junefirstfirm.com. I am pretty good at checking my emails. And of course, you can still message me on LinkedIn. I have my um, inbox open and we don't have to be connected for you to send me a message. And um, yeah, those are pretty much the best ways to contact me. I would say LinkedIn and also just shoot me an email. And what's your website? Going to plug your website. Oh, yeah. My website is junefirstfirm.com. J-U-N-E-F-I-R-S-T-F-I-R-M.com. And my birthday's June 1st for those that are, that ask. Some people do ask. It's like, where did that come from? So that's actually my birthday. I didn't want to use my name. So I came up with that. I love that. That's very clever. And when this goes to air, you can visit the website and there's a few good lead magnets and uh, you can book call a call directly easily in a couple clicks. So, yes, like, yes, Cindy, <laughs> all those things is so good. Um, I love my copy now. So, so, so amazing. And I have people that ask me again, they just want to get on the phone with me, talk to me about launching a grant writing business. I have like this really great. Um, document five questions that um, grant writers that are launching their business typically ask me. You can get that right into your inbox on my website. So check it out. And also, you're really like getting into grant writing and you're you're getting on phone calls and you don't know what to say to funders. I also have a document, 31 questions, um, really good, great questions I even use still to this day some questions to ask funders that they typically don't get asked. There's not typically on their website. Um, So check that out too. I think that that'll be good. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, ladies. I enjoyed it. I love the confessions podcast and I didn't want to listen to a whole lot of episodes until I had mine. Um, But yeah, I'm happy now I can go binge. binge. (laughs) Happy binging. Looking forward to it. Thank you, ladies. Bye. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to the Confessions Podcast for nonprofit coaches and consultants. If you enjoyed today's episode, which I sure hope you did, you can show your support in one of three ways. Number one, post a screenshot of this episode to your Instagram stories or LinkedIn profile and tag Cindy and I so we can repost you. 
Number two, share this podcast with a fellow nonprofit coach or consultant. And number three, leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to grow and reach new listeners. And of course, make sure you subscribe so you can get the latest and greatest interviews as they drop every Thursday. And to our fellow nonprofit coaching and consulting friends, remember, we're an open book and here to answer your burning biz questions. See you next time.